Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got a good friend, Kim File, who's the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks. But we're also going to talk about her path to Aspire, which is an entrepreneurial, fast-growing company, and we'll learn a little bit more about what they're doing and um, and the growth that they've had. But she's also been a CMO at some of the world's largest companies, from Walgreens to Sarah Lee to Office Max and through the Office Max Office Depot combination. So I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Kim File. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Alan. It's always nice to have a friend across the table I from know, you doing great. this. So, and I have to say, you are one of the most full of life people <laughs> I know. When we greeted outside the door here, mm-hmm. you get this huge hug, this big uh, smile. Where does all that energy and optimism come from? Well, you know, I adore you. So of oh, course whoa. I'm going to give you a big oh, hug. But, thanks. you know, I, I've been blessed to have been born with a very curious and active mind. Yeah. I truly and genuinely love learning new things and meeting new people and hearing about 
information or weird little things that other people may not find interesting. Like, I just got totally fascinated by the National Geographic Mars show. I don't know if you saw that. I haven't that. seen that, no. It's a combination of a documentary and then a fictional portrayal of the real science behind sending people to Mars. Wow. So I just find myself intrigued by things. And when I was a, before I went to grad school, I was a journalist. So I'm pretty good at like sure. asking questions and probing for new stuff. And that kind of is what keeps me going. I want to be one of those 85-year-old people still call and say, what do you think about this or that? <laughs> I think I think you will be one of those people for sure. Let's talk about your career. Where did you start? You, you said journalism. Mm-hmm. I did. I don't think I knew that. Actually. Yeah, well, it's kind of a weird little pivot. I yeah. actually went back to grad school to go into publishing. Oh. I wrote two articles about Frito-Lay as a freelancer for a magazine. Right. I thought, what the heck, I'll interview when they come on campus, and bam, I became an assistant brand manager on Doritos. <laughs> And my whole career pivoted into marketing. Okay. Yeah, but it's been it's been great. You know, I had a real passion for the consumer goods industry. My dad was 38 years with Procter and Gamble, and I didn't realize that wow. by osmosis, I had come to really love the industry. You fell right into that trap. Totally. Yeah. And I didn't intend to, obviously. <laughs> but I got a real good opportunity then to work and get to know the industry in depth. So mm-hmm. I spent a number of years as a manufacturer, as a retailer, and as a consultant to the industry. Mm -hmm. So I got to work at great companies like Cadbury Schwab's and Pepper 7-Up and Sara Lee. And then I also was a retailer with Walgreens and Office Max. And in between, I was president of IRI. So that's where I became a data geek before I even knew data geeky was going to be a good thing for marketing. (laughs) (laughs) But you have had a bunch of big roles, and we'll get into a couple Mm -hmm. of those big CMO roles that you've had. But were there any mentors along the way? Yeah, well, I definitely did reference before my dad. He was amazing at never saying what I should do or suggesting anything to me, but always saying anything's possible. And turns out he was also one of the most staunch diversity advocates at Procter & Gamble way Mm -hmm. before it was cool to do so. And so I was given a lot of good confidence to try new things with him. But then I would also say that it's more a group that's been mentors to me, which is the Network of Executive Women, which Mm -hmm. is a group dedicated to helping develop and advance and retain women in the consumer goods industry. I joined them the second year it was in existence. I served on the board for eight years, and today I'm the national board nominating chair. But what's been most important along the way is my exposure to some extraordinary leading women across the industry in all areas, in all functions, and people I could have really authentic conversations (laughs) with when I hit different pivots I really needed advice about. Right. Well, that's hugely topical discussion today. It should have been addressed long ago, diversity Mm -hmm. and inclusion, but it's nice to know folks like yourself are continuing to fight the good fight. Most definitely. You know, it's 2019, and the last (laughs) Fortune 500 company to not have a woman finally put a woman on its board. Wow. It's crazy, though. It's been until now that we could have that. Exactly. I'm thankful as a dad of a daughter myself Mm -hmm. that you're doing that work. So thank you. Thank you. You have had some big CMO roles along the way. You know, you had, I think, CMO stops at Sarah Lee, Walgreens, and Office Max. Mm -hmm. Um, And how do you think, you know, I guess, what do you believe helped you get there? And then maybe more important for CMOs today, stay there. Right, right. Well, you know, it's one of those things sometimes I wake up and I go, wow, I fooled them. They let me have all these amazing jobs. I mean, it is easy sometimes to look back after just head down 
butt up working so hard and right. say, wow, I really was blessed to be able to do all those things. Yeah. But I would say it's a few things. One is I've always been a problem solver and I always sought roles that were very transformative and brands and companies that were looking for change. It's just something I gravitate to. Mm-hmm. I've always focused on having a growth agenda wherever I was. And for better or for worse, in the earlier days of my career, marketers were more expected to be about branding and consumer positioning and not so much about how do you drive the bottom line. But I always was. So I think that that was something that allowed me to not only do well where I was, but also have the chances to move to other companies that were looking for more combination of a GM and a marketer perspective. But make no bones about it, one of the most passionate things I feel is the insight around consumers and what makes them tick. And there's nothing more exciting being in the consumer goods industry than watching your brand go down the <laughs> checkout lane at you know, Safeway and Walmart and go, that I did that and that's my new flavor. And wow, looky, they're buying that new package I just designed. So it's hard not to love the industry when you have a passion for it like that and and can make a difference and have impact on it. You know, I think that's where you make the marks that people notice. And I just did it because I liked it a lot and I got lucky that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the way you started the answer, it it was a little bit of that imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. That you're like, you look around and you go, I hope they don't figure this out. (laughs) I think everyone has that a little bit inside of them. As Uh, I've gotten older, I truly look, you know, talk to other people and they say the same thing. It's (laughs) like, you know, someone will say, I was a bad boy in college and somehow I became a, you know, CMO. And it really, I think, comes down to how, especially for marketers, it's such a combination of art and science. Yes. And of course, we've gotten a big dose of science in the last 15 years because we've had access to the data and the measurement tools and all the things that can prove that our art works. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, without the the art side and the creative side, which often goes unappreciated. Very much so. Um, It's one of those things where you go, how did I find my way in that navigation space around art and science? And and I, despite the fact CMOs tend to still have short-term limits, and there have been some bumpy roads in my career too, (laughs) the fact is that it's one of the most amazing professions that I can imagine anyone ever having. And it's that very tension between art and science that makes it so exciting. Well, you, in the last few years, you've pivoted towards board service and startups and entrepreneurial things. Mm How did you know that that's where you wanted to go next? Well, you know, sometimes you feel a little restless, right? right? And so when I worked on the Office Max and Office Depot merger in 2014, and it was an amazing experience to put two monoliths like that together. Right. We had hoped they would stay in Chicago, but it was chosen to go to Florida. And I sat back at that point and I said, you know, I've got 30 years behind me of amazing experience, but I don't want to go do another public company gig. Right. I had already started working as an advisor and an advisory board member on a number of startups, especially in retail tech in the AI spaces and some of the new social at the time was new social spaces. And it gave me a lot of passion. And I said, you know, what harm can it do to jump off the deep end and try to be an entrepreneur for a while? If it doesn't work out, I can always go back. I wouldn't go back. (laughs) I really wouldn't. It's been a great journey. And I would say this, why did I do it? Probably wanted that new learning curve. Mm to develop something from scratch or from its very early stages. Mm -hmm. 
it's really a lot harder than than you might think when right. you're sitting in a corporate environment where you're playing around with a multi-million dollar budget, right? <laughs> but it's the the challenge of that and that journey that I've found so in, so exciting. It's also been great that my experiences have been invited to be on boards. So I was able to serve on the Roundies board and worked yeah. on that during the merger with Kroger. And so to do a merger from the board side That's and a public company board yeah. was a learning experience that I can't even explain, having done many mergers from the C-suite. So that was a great learning curve. And then to work with all these early stage companies, two of the ones I've been an advisor to have exited, learned a lot about private equity and venture capital. And the journey continues, Alan. I'm <laughs> you know, only five years into this. And I would say that there are so many things that you can't see when you're busy in a big public company environment, that when you start to realize just how dynamic the private equity and venture world is, it's it's like a whole new sea to play in. So yeah. that's kind of what, what's driving me now. But I encourage people to truly think CMOs can be advisors to early stage companies. And just for the experience of that, I think it's worth it. And then you never know. You might run across one you want to be involved in like I am. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about Aspire. Yes. Healthy energy drinks. Tell listeners, I've had my fair share of Aspire, <laughs> especially at this summit that we're about to start And I here. just brought eight cases All today. All right. I can't wait. I can't uh-huh. wait. Um, so tell listeners what Aspire is in case they haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And what's the backstory? Where, mm-hmm. where did it start? Yeah. So Aspire healthy energy drinks are healthy energy drinks that you can consume every day. It's uh, no sugar, no carbs, and no calories. The caffeine in it is a combination of green tea that gives you the initial lift and guarana seed extract, which is a slower metabolizing, longer lasting, smoother energy. So it's about as much as a strong cup of coffee, which means you can drink it multiple times a day. And it's also got big doses of B and C vitamins that give you mental alertness and focus. So it's that combination of a nice physical and mental lift that I think makes Aspire really different. It's also lightly sparkling in four (laughs) delicious flavors. And people are always surprised when they drink it because energy drinks don't usually taste good. No. And we do. So We wanted to have something. The backstory is 22-year-old health (laughs) enthusiast men in the UK were concocting their own mixture using vitamins and powders and things from vitamin shops. And they said, why can't we make this in a ready-to-drink form? So they worked with nutritionists in the UK, found their way scrappy, scrappy to get into Holland and Barrett and uh, Tesco over there. Wow. And came over to the U.S. to try to build a distribution network here. And long story short, met our now CEO and decided to make it a U.S.-based company. It was about then that a mutual friend introduced us because I was serving on Roundy's board and the brand wanted to get into Mariano's, a banner up in Chicagoland. Mm. So I said, well, folks, I'm a public board member. I can't just do that. Get me some product. I'll try it. Fell in love with it (laughs) in three days. I got so much done because I had the energy and the focus to do it. And so long story short, I'm now the lead investor I'm on the board, and about three years ago, I came on full-time as CMO and CSO, and uh, we're on the march to world domination. <laughs> <laughs> so tell, tell us where you are today. Yeah. I know I, I keep seeing pictures of you at the booths inside right. of Walmarts, right. I think. Uh, Sam's Club. And We've Sam's Club. We've been Clubs. doing our yes. Sam's Club pop-ups. Yes. Yes. We're growing very fast. We'll more than triple again this year. We're past the hurdle rate Coke considers to be the first fallout point for brands that don't succeed. Yeah. doesn't mean we will, but I think we will. We've got something special. So we're now in 4,600 stores. Grocery Club and Mass is our focus. Wow. We're women shop because our product is 
really great and consumed 40% men, 60% women. But, you know, there's no energy drinks really positioned as healthy for women. So um, we focus where they shop. We're in 40 states. We're in 2,000 stores internationally. We're in Costco UK, Iceland, Spain. We just got Costco Japan. We're in the major banners in all of uh, Kroger, Ahold, Albertsons. We're growing our banners there. Um, And right now we're in the proving ground point of doing pop-up stores at Sam's Club to see if we can get in next year. Wow. So we're growing very, very quickly. Importantly, I think it's been great to see the consumer passion. We have a 46% repeat rate online. Check us out at (laughs) AspireDrinks.com or Amazon. And do check out our locator on our website because you'll find us probably at a BJ's Club store or one of your local grocery or Mm -hmm. some targets in three states. So we're making good progress, and I'm really proud of the fact that our team has been very disciplined. Um, We're also in the Navy Exchanges, and our good friend here, Rich Hanabal, the CMO, and head of merchandising for NEX, was kind to help us get distribution there. That's awesome. So um, we're making great progress. I'm really proud of the fact consumers love our brand. Well, are you, uh, you may have mentioned this, and I apologize, because you're in 2,000 locations internationally. Are you in Australia? Not yet. We're working on it. We have interest there. So listeners out there in Australia, you should definitely start requesting Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks. Please do. Please do. We have a growing listener base in Australia, most English-speaking countries, but all around the world, frankly. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Yeah, so I'm not we'll surprised. Try to get the brilliant. listeners out there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take the compliment. So what's the end goal, do you think? I mean, you're growing. I would imagine you're reinvesting in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. But if you, at some point, it's going to spin off profits. Are right. you looking to exit in the future? Maybe we, you don't want to talk about it. We do right now. No, no, we're not afraid to talk about it. First and foremost is to build a great brand. And however long that takes, and our own commitment to it is a thousand percent. So growing a great brand is is our priority. We would see that it's likely it would be grown to a point in the next three to four years that we'd find a strategic exit. And that's kind of what our radar looks like right now. But right. you never know. I mean, Many other companies grew so quickly, they just decided to IPO and make it a public company. Right. So we don't limit any possibility, but we're definitely on that focus point of trying to grow it and see where we can take it. Right, right. Well, it's a, it is a great tasting drink. Thank and you. I'm looking Thank forward. you for that endorsement. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You heard it here first, folks. Uh-huh. How is marketing different at a startup than a big corporation? Well, you know, when I was at Walgreens, <laughs> I had a $1 billion marketing budget. Now I have a $10,000 marketing <laughs> budget. So it's quite different. Yeah. But really kind of thrilling. So it's a very scrappy effort. We have a couple of people that do things like manage our social technology platforms and do our... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Visual design. Mm -hmm. I've convinced a couple of a media and a creative agency to work for equity. Our number one marketing strategy, which works beautifully, is sampling. Because people do expect it not to taste good. When they get it in their mouth, they go, wow, this is surprising. So we do, we've already sampled over 10 million people over the last three years. Wow. Because we do sampling programs in the stores and in events. This weekend, I'll be doing the American Cancer Society Breast Cancer Walk in Chicago, doing sampling there for 15,000 people doing the walk. Wow. So we get out, we get it out in people's hands is really key. <laughs> we also have found, because we've cultivated some very extraordinary everyday influencers. People like nurses who've been drinking a lot of coffee and tea that's short term. Yeah. They drink the a crash. lot of it all day yeah. and then they feel bad. Yeah. Or energy drinks that are high sugar and they, they don't like what it does to them. So nurses passionate about it, especially hmm. the overnight nurses. We have a flight attendant from Southwest Airlines <laughs> who takes pictures of Aspire all over the world wherever he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so we cultivate the stories because really Aspire is there to be the ally to help people have the energy and focus to achieve what they want every day. So it's very much a people's story. And so we cultivate that in our social media platforms. Coming this coming year, we will be turning a profit and we will be reinvesting that in more marketing. Right. So our plan is to integrate more traditional and enhanced digital into the plan coming into the new year. So watch for that. But it's been a real scrappy effort. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, mm -hmm. it's it's exciting to see how much success you've had and oh, um, you. and continue to have. And so I wish the best for you. Having this perspective of big, big brands and smaller but growing brands. Mm -hmm. What do you feel are the biggest challenges or opportunities for big brands and fast growth companies today? Are they this? Mm -hmm. They may be different challenges, frankly. I don't know. They are, but it's interesting how we're all swimming in the same sea now. When I was at a great big brand, I would go, oh, look at all those cute little brands trying really hard. They'll never make it. But look what <laughs> happens, right? Right. Huge RX bar just got acquired mm -hmm. by Kellogg's. Huge vodka and deep eddy. And I mean, there's right. one after another of these little scrappy brands that became something very special and different. So I think the challenge for big brands is they're a little bit mired in the bureaucracy, the lack of autonomy, the inability to be nimble, you know, a lot of legacy thinking and a lot of public company requirements right. on them that make them go slow. It is great being nimble and the fact we can do something overnight and do it really quickly without a lot of things in the way. Of course, we don't have the money to do everything we want to do. <laughs> So that's a limiting factor. So truly what I'm seeing is big companies recognize that some of their best innovation is gonna come from investing in and buying smaller companies that are starting up on their own. And you see more and more now, large companies having large investment funds and venture funds, yeah. even like Campbell's and Kellogg and Coke and Pepsi and Pepper 7-Up, they're all making investments in startups because they say, hey, you take the risk. And if you make it and we'll help you a little bit, then you know we, we might be a partner in that. Right. And that's a new innovation approach that I didn't experience when I was leading innovation at Sara Lee. Mm. It was all in-house. Right. We didn't look at all the little scrappy things out there. So that's an interesting crossover happening mm -hmm. that I'm seeing more and more of. We were, in fact, and three of us invited to speak at GMA Executive, which is a grocery manufacturer mm -hmm. association event, on the topic of how little brands are... <laughs> 
kind of outrunning big brands right now. Right. And it was a really interesting engagement to be there with the CEOs of large companies and, yeah. and hear their questions. So I would say those are some of the big things. There's also one more thing I'd like to share, which is there's a group out there now called Naturally Network, and it's naturallynetwork.com. Um, Boulder began a group years ago called Naturally Boulder with the intent to create an ecosystem of natural and whole and healthier food products right. and support them with retail and distribution and mm. venture money and things like that. Right. There's now chapters in five cities. There's one in Chicago now too, and I'm on the board of Naturally <laughs> Chicago. But the point is that there's now these infrastructures being built to help nurture these startups beyond what they can do in their own way. And that's all that's new infrastructures coming that I think large companies need to be part of. That's phenomenal. To your point, in the retail environment in particular, there's there's still moats, right? Yes, <laughs> of very much. Trying so. to get on shelf somewhere, mm -hmm. convince some buyer, right, willing to take a risk on you, right. So there still are real, real moats, especially when mm -hmm. you're selling a product that I'm sure you ship a lot of product, but products that are are wet products are right. heavy, right? You know, and right. shipping costs are not right. that attractive to and you. And it was unheard of, so, really, that right. beverage wouldn't be DSD, yeah. but now there's an increasing acceptance of warehouse and come into yeah. directly to the retailer. Right. You know, to that end, Alan, there's an interesting phenomenon going on, which is for a number of years that I've been working on this brand, we've seen the legacy brands, especially in the still juice and uh, soft drink aisles, mm -hmm. just pay the retailer for their space and the retailers protected that space. Right. But now the retailer is realizing it's stagnant space mm -hmm. and eroding profits. Yeah. So even Walmart in the last year has taken to step out of its own comfort zone and attend conferences to tell small businesses that they want to create a better working relationship yeah, yeah. so they don't miss out on the small brand's growth. Yeah. So they are cutting in a big section and reducing some of their stagnant areas <laughs> to create room for some of the brands like ours yeah. in the coming years. Ooh. So it's been a big change for the retailer to think differently about, you know, I'm not just going to pocket the right. payments for the real estate. I've got to actually make money yeah. on the square footage, and it's important to make a change. Well, and they need the excitement of those new products, too. For their customers. Yes. Totally. Otherwise, the retail is going to lose, too. Right. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to pivot a little bit, and we love getting to know the person behind the topics we cover <laughs> yeah. on this show. And um, I love this question, which is, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? It's a really interesting question about whether it's one experience, right? I guess I would say that it's more a series of experiences that has made me a real advocate for mm. women and diversity in business. Yeah. And in a way that is about how our points of view add to strategy, add to growth, solve problems in a more holistic way when combined with the men who lead. And I want to emphasize both diversity and women. Today, only 30% of public company boards have a woman or a diverse person on them, which is not representative of the population. No. So I would say over the years, you know, I've experienced my share of what I felt were somewhat diminished responses in environments where I was the only woman in a C-suite for a, long, a lot of years. And it shaped me to be both appreciative of what I was learning from men and the men mentors that were, I was working with, but also to recognize what was missing. And I think that may sound like an odd question to answer or answer to your question, but when you realize that you're bringing a point of view and you're the only voice, you have to be very conscious of it. And I think that that's been 
something that has shaped me throughout my career. I spent the first 15 years as the only woman executive in the senior, senior staff. Oh. And that's a long time to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but it was good learning, really yeah. good learning. And I have to say largely positive. There have been my moments I could tell stories, but <laughs> it's still too few. And when you have a diverse leadership team, right. you get better results. It's been proven. So that's it. All right. I appreciate sharing mm. that. I, and I know I know you've had your moments. We worked together on a compensation study last year yes. and uh, heard the story about you going and asking, realizing through mm-hmm. some due diligence effort that <laughs> you were being underpaid. And, Way and, underpaid. And <laughs> going in and asking for your fair share. Right. Um, and right. I think those lessons definitely shape a person. I mm. love the fact, and I don't want to make light of this, we started started the conversation this way, but you have always found a way, it seems, to turn that into a positive and capitalize on it. Right. And I, I, I love that perspective. I wish I could do more of that myself, frankly. Well, you know, I tell myself all the time, complaining gets nothing done. Right. I mean, if you're going to do some, if you're going to have a problem, have a solution. Mm-hmm. And that sounds so simple, but when people whine, I just say to them, what would you do about it? Go do something <laughs> Go do about it, it right? Yeah, right? And it takes courage sometimes. And sometimes, boy, you get deaf ears for what you're trying to, to suggest. Right. But it's still important. If you, care, if you care enough to be upset about it, you got to do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, what, what fuels you? What keeps you going besides Aspire Healthy Energy yeah. Drinks? <laughs> well, actually, I'd say there's three things. One is truly this new learning curve journey I'm on as an entrepreneur. I mean, I have been blessed by a lot of people helping me on this journey and teaching me new things and introducing me to fascinating people. Like next week, I get to spend have dinner with uh, Sally Krawcheck, who is a CEO of investment banking on Wall Street. Wow. I'm having a dinner with Rashad Tabakawala that a lot of oh, people yeah. know. Chief who's, growth officer. Yeah. yeah, but he's also been an amazing thought leader over the years. So I've had time to cultivate new thinking, and that's been you know really fueling me and my curious mind. <laughs> but the other thing is when you're an entrepreneur, though you work hard, a more flexible life. So I've had more time to devote to friends and family. And my niece, nephew, my significant other's son, and my one of my best friend's son now live within a mile and a half of me. So although I didn't have my own children, I have kids in and out of the house eating and doing laundry and having shenanigans of all kinds all the time. And it is so energizing. And they're the ones I'm asking the questions of what's next? What matters to you? And of course, they're people I just love with all my heart. So that's been really fueling me. And then my friends who each have so many interesting things to bring to the the way I think and the way I'm learning. And when we're busy, when we got 18-hour days, we just don't have time to go deep, right? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I've gotten to know my old friends a lot better in the last five years. So those are the things that are fueling me these these days. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, two more marketing questions for you. Um, Marketers tend to be, and you are naturally curious. We Mm. already covered that. (laughs) Are there any brands or companies or causes that you think others should be taking notice of? Well, we touched on a couple of them, but I will say on the brand front, Mm -hmm. anyone listening who's currently managing really large brands and has come to think of that sea of new stuff out there as being irrelevant, put a couple of days on your calendar to go immerse yourself. Mm -hmm. Whether it's attending like a Naturally Chicago breakfast or a or an event that's dedicated to early stage companies doing their pitches. I mean, really immerse yourself in learning that there are brands out there doing 
highly sustainable food strategies, healthier, cleaner ingredient products. The whole space around plastics is a real issue that major companies are dealing with right now. And small companies are able to create packaging from, from now that is not going to be harmful to the environment. And the ideas you'll learn, even if you don't end up saying, wow, those are brands I want to bring into my company, are really important to pay attention to. I've watched with great interest Denise Morrison leaving Campbell's. Yeah. And now there's a new CEO faced with the same issue of the dinosaur of canned soup. Well, one of the most amazing innovators in Chicago has a company called Skinny Souping. And it is all fresh, creative Mm. flavors. It can be consumed cold or hot. It's in sustainable packaging. So even big old legacy categories can be reinvented. So when you ask, you know, what I'm really paying attention to, now that I have this different perspective... I really am saying a lot of fascinating things. The woman who founded Simple Mills, which is a gluten-free cakes, crackers, and flowers. They're made Mm. out of almonds and Mm. quinoa and a variety of other grains that she's identified as healthier and better for you. But they are really good products, and her company is growing so much. But again, look to those brands to see where the innovation is that has been held back by big companies because they didn't think they could do it. You know, I think that's the space. On the cause front, I already said I, I really spent a lot of time mentoring. I particularly like to help young people get a good start, but I'm also very passionate about health causes. So I'm involved in the Go Red for Women uh, American Heart Association campaign right. because people don't realize heart disease is the number one cause of death for women in America. Not to end this on a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> there's so much Important. we can do to get that word out and then help people become more tuned in to what it takes to have a nice, long, healthy life. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that I'm really focused on. Gotcha. Well, last question for you. What do you see the future of marketing look like? You know, it's going to be really intriguing, (laughs) isn't it? For one thing, we're already seeing a convergence of CMO, CIO, somewhat CTO, As technology becomes far more virtual, there's not going to be the need for the wires and and buttons people, right? Right. So it's going to be more about conceiving environments and networks in which businesses can operate. The whole space around AI, augmented reality, all the stuff we keep throwing out about IoT, right? Mm -hmm. Every bit of that is going to be driven by consumers in a new experience environment. They're going to drive it like they are now with social, but it's going to shift into far, far more you know, technically capable and feasible areas that marketers are going to need to follow them into. And they're going to need to follow them into it with a GM mentality because it's not going to be just about how do I position my brand as someone who is working in an augmented reality environment. Like at Office Max, right? Office supplies, paper, ink, and toner are going to be entirely irrelevant, and they're 65% of sales at those companies, okay? (laughs) So it's how to understand how to position yourself as a business inside those spaces. It's not just words you use and what stories you tell and the things that are important, certainly, but it's going to require there to be a more GM mind for CMOs Mm. and marketers going forward. I also think that we absolutely have to stop struggling to let go of the legacy marketing approaches. You know, it still kills me that there are people who spend so much money on traditional media approaches that they keep saying, well, they still have a large reach. Yeah, they do, but it's not a meaningful one. It's not customer experience. It's not customer engagement. Mm. I'd rather have 20 people I engage directly with right now than 20,000 who don't care 
right? right? So I just think those are the two areas. It's like, how are we going to mold ourselves into being business managers to get where the customer is Mm. with our products? And how are we going to do that using tools that we just have to, to make ourselves smarter about? I love it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a joy. Thank thank you you. for me too. I'm honored to be here, Alan. And thank you for letting me share the stories. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. And you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.